Long ago in ancient Mesopotamia, a civilization laid the foundations for Christianity, but in ways one might not expect. Hosts Denise and Buddy Wood go on a spiritual and thought-provoking journey, uncovering and exploring some of Christianity's hidden truths. Join us as we unveil and explore the mystery that is the remnants of Ur. Welcome to Remnants of Ur. My name is Denise Wood. And my name is Buddy Wood. And last episode we covered Matthew 5 verse 33 to chapter 6 verse 18. In those verses, Christ is telling his disciples to put away the ancient Mesopotamian practice of oath-making. He teaches against performing pious acts to be seen by men. And Jesus shows his disciples how to pray. And this is episode 23, entitled Sermon on the Mount, Part 4. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19-21, through 21, Christ is teaching his disciples not to lay up treasures for themselves here on earth, where moth and rust will destroy and where thieves can break through and steal. But rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, translated where God is or in the spiritual realm, where they will be safe. For where your treasure is, there is where your heart will be also. In verse 22 and 23, Jesus says that the light of the body is the eye. And if your eye is single, which can be translated to celibate, then your whole body is full of light. Christ is talking in spiritual terms. Jesus clarifies it later in Matthew chapter 15 when he refers to the Pharisees as blind leaders of the blind. They are blinded by religion. So Christ is referring to the opened spiritual eye that is able to see as he teaches his disciples. Christ says that if your eye is celibate, which means only focused on doing the will of God, then the body or soul is filled with light. However, if your spiritual eye is focused on things that you desire more than God, Christ says that this particular scenario creates the greatest darkness of all. You know, and this passage reminds me of just a a couple of uh, preachers that uh, I used to really admire a lot. And, uh, you know, one of them, he was, you know, you just thought he had a heart after God and turned out he was sleeping with prostitutes. And and he came on uh, television and was full of repentance and tears and sorrows. And then a couple of weeks later, he was found with prostitutes again. I remember actually watching the episode after he was caught by World News. Oh, I mean, gosh. this was World News. Yeah. And he was weeping, tears flowing down his cheeks. Yeah. And he was saying he was repentant and he was sorry. And he swore on the blood of Jesus, that he was clean and that it was no longer a problem. And then within maybe a month or two? Yeah, he was doing it again. Yeah. You know, and and the same scenario uh, reminds me of of another preacher that, you know, it says, you know, you were to seek God with a whole heart and love him more than anything and love him more than money. And the scripture says, if 
if there's darkness in your eye, how great is that darkness? And that reminds me of a, of another pastor I used to admire with, with a whole heart. Loved that man. And yet he's the same man who, uh, preferred receiving the, the contributions, the wealthy contributions from a rich man as opposed to the salvation of, of a young girl who was a new comfort and who was new to the walk. You know, and you hate to think that way, but it makes you wonder, well, how great is the evil in that man's heart? And, and it's a horrible thing to think, but that's, that's exactly what Christ was uh, talking about. I agree. Yeah. So in verse 24, Christ says, No man can serve two masters, for he will hate one and love the other, and hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So let's keep this in perspective. The Catholic religion has taken this scripture to be that the ones in service to God must take a vow of poverty. Right. And if I may interject here, you know, it, it's not that God wants you poor. He wants your heart. He wants you to love him more than money. And you may be put to that test. We all may be put to that test. But you literally have to be so in love with God. And for me, to be in the middle of nowhere with no possessions, but a cross on my shoulder and a backpack, but I had the glory of God thundering in my soul, that was my test. And if I get put to the test again, I would be happy to give it all up, to be in His presence, to be in the center of God's will. So the vow of poverty that the Catholic religion has adopted for the people in God's service, that is not what Christ is talking about here. He is talking about desiring the Spirit of God above everything, even money, like Buddy just said. This is a word for the wealthy pastors and anyone who will hear it. If the Lord rains a lot of wealth upon you, It is not for you to hoard and be ridiculously self-indulgent. It's actually those behaviors that we've seen from the pulpit over the last few decades that brings disgrace to God. It does. Seek God and wisdom and do what the Father says for you to do with that money. You are simply a conduit to let God's love flow through you to help those in need. Those are the good works that you should be doing, and it would cause people to glorify God because of you. In Matthew 6, verse 25 through 32, Jesus tells his disciples to take no thought for your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor what you shall wear, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or reap or gather into barns, but your Father feeds them. Aren't you more important to God than the birds? Which one of you, by taking thought about these things, can add height to his stature? Christ is basically saying that stressing about these things isn't going to perform the impossible. So why do it? In verses 28 through 34, Jesus says, that why worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. 
and yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. So if God clothes the grass, which is here today and gone tomorrow, only to be cast into the oven, shall he not clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we drink, or what shall we be clothed? For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. That last sentence can be interpreted as you will have your needs met sufficiently today, and to worry about tomorrow's needs invites evil. Don't do it. I'm going to turn the mic over to Buddy now because he has some experience with this when he carried the cross for two years. He was taken care of by the hand of God. You know, and that's the deal about it, everybody. I wanted to say that, you know, if God's called you to do something, he's going to provide your way. I would really like to hear when you took off from Phoenix with the cross, you only took $60 in your pocket and you took off. <laughs> right. And I didn't even have that. That 60 bucks was, a, I used to go to a Bible study and they took up an offering for me and I wound up with $60 in my pocket. And I went with tons of supplies. I, I, I had my backpack loaded up with a little tiny backpack on top of it initially with all kinds of food and supplies and stuff for the journey. But I realized after the first day of carrying the cross that I didn't need all that extra weight. So I had my good friend Dorothy come out to check on me the first couple of days walking out of Phoenix. And I I gave her one of those backpacks because that cross was super heavy. Yeah. And so, you know, I had just uh, completed a 21-day fast and I was still pretty weak from that fast. When you do a, a water fast only, only you use a lot of of your muscle so there wasn't much muscle left (laughs) so i took off people were pulling over every day you know i mean you know all day long offer me food and drink and money and i just so i realized right away i didn't need all that extra weight but um but that's the thing about it i mean if if god's called you to do something he's going to provide the way just have to step out in faith and, and and let god do his thing you know, you do what you're supposed to do and he'll take care of you. That's, you know, that's what I learned. You know, everything from water in the middle of the desert. If y'all remember my story about the, the, the girl coming up, handing me the water and shaking like a leaf on a tree. You know, uh, just every little thing from, you know, walking into town and having no money and somebody just pull up and hand me uh, money through the, the window and give me just enough money to get a hotel room and uh, and supper for the night. You know, so it, it was always God was providing for me, whether it be uh, money when I walk into town or whether it be um, water in the middle of the desert. Uh, you know, God is there and, and he, he can provide for you if God's called you to do something, he'll do it. And uh, and I always swore that I would never beg for money, and I never did. And when the miracles quit happening, I said, well, I guess it's time for me to go back and get a job. And that's what I did. I've been working for the last 30 years until God called us to do this, and now here we are living by faith again. But we know we're in the center of God's will, doing exactly what we're supposed to do. And life is good. 
when I was going through my time where I had started hearing the voice of God and he was leading me out of my situation, I was in that situation for six months. I did not work and I never went hungry. One day it came down to the wire and Amanda at the time was nine months old and uh, I didn't have money for diapers, but dish towels were great. And, um, I was sitting on the floor holding her and I'm like, Lord, I'm out of milk for a bottle. Can you please provide? And he spoke to me. There's a dollar bill behind the dresser. <laughs> and I pulled the dresser back and sure enough, there was a dollar bill, but it was ripped in two. So I taped it together and I went down to the store and got her some milk for her bottle. And then the next day, you know, I don't know what happened the next day, but the next day it wasn't an issue. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it was, but the spirit of God was so strong during that time. Yeah. Nothing else mattered. Right. And all of our needs were met. And we were actually, the children and I were quite happy yeah. and content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's, um, it's just wonderful being in, in, in God's presence and doing his will and knowing you're in the center of God's will doing what you're supposed to do. That's it. It's a beautiful thing. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. If you're interested, our book, Remnants of Ur, is available on Amazon. If you have any questions or comments, our email is remnantsover at gmail.com. <laughs>